Well, it is great to be here tonight. Um, while I was uh, meeting up with uh, one of my youth leaders on Friday, having a, sort of a morning tea, uh, I get the call from Tim. Matt, you're up. And so, uh, it's all right. I, I had started thinking about it beforehand in case this happened, uh, but I had to write it up in the last two days. But it is a pleasure to be finishing off our series in Philippians. Uh, we come to the final remarks of Paul's letter in, in Philippians, and I think it's often easy for us to just skip over them. Oh, he's just thanking the Philippians. The book's basically done. But here we actually see uh, the heart of Paul and what he values from the Philippians, both as their first minister and as a missionary supported by them. Uh, Paul has written this letter to the Philippians from prison in Rome. Uh, and, as, and Paul, he loves these Philippians. Uh, the way he describes them at the start of chapter 4, he says that they are who he lo- loves and longs for. My joy and my crown. My dear friends, Paul loves the Philippians and he has a history with them. As I said, he was their first minister, the one who taught them the gospel in the first place. They, like him, have suffered for their faith. Uh, They're a Roman uh, colony, Philippi, uh, and it's hard for them to live as Christians there. They live under persecution, which is why he's written to encourage them to live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ. And in this final section, he's letting them know that they have actually caused him great joy. Uh, We heard earlier the news of the safe delivery of uh, Asher and Theo, uh, and we rejoice with the Lanes and with the Ashes. But here Paul is rejoicing, and he's actually rejoicing greatly. It's not just a little rejoicing, it's a lot of rejoicing. What has filled Paul's heart with such joy? Well, let's look at verse 10. Uh, It'll be helpful if you have your Bibles open. I'm going to be referring to the passage a fair bit. Verse 10, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. Paul rejoices greatly because of the renewed concern for him. They have once again come to his aid. And the at last there shouldn't be taken as a negative, as a as a son who's moved out of home and then finally, after months, calls his mum. Oh, at last, you've called, okay. No, it's not a negative at last. It's a good at last. It's a positive one. And we see that from uh, his qualifier. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. You see, they didn't have the connectivity we have right now. You couldn't just call up your mate. No, you, you couldn't just uh, drive your car 100 kilometers. No, what they had to do is they had to get a a poor guy, Epaphroditus, they had to give him a bunch of stuff, equip him for the journey and say, okay, last we heard, Paul was going to Rome. Good luck. And off he goes. And he'll be walking, he'll catch a boat, and then he gets to Rome, one of the biggest cities in the ancient world, and he's got to ask people, hey, have have you met a guy named Paul? He's Jewish? Oh, yeah, I think he's in prison. Oh. Okay, cool. And off he goes. And you've got to imagine Paul's face. He's there in prison. And then who knocks on the door? Epaphroditus, his dear friend from Philippi. At last you renewed your concern for me. 
And remember, Roman prisons aren't like modern prisons. Modern prisons, they provide you with food and clothing. No, back then, you had to provide your own food and clothing, which is very hard to do when you're in prison. Uh, You actually have to rely on friends and family to provide all your needs. And so he rejoices greatly in the Lord, because at last they were able to renew their concern for him through Epaphroditus. But Paul wants to make it clear. The reason I'm rejoicing is not because of the money. Okay, it's not about the money, verse 11 to 13. Verse 11, I'm not saying this because I'm in need. For I've learnt to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learnt the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Sorry, through him who gives me strength. Now, if there ever was a bumper verse uh, memory verse, there's a bumper verse sticker for a memory verse. Philippians 4.13 sort of is high up there. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. I often hear it from uh, Christian athletes when they're talking about their amazing skill and ability. Oh, I do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Which is actually true. God has given them those gifts. But I hope you can see that in its context, this verse isn't about achieving the impossible or even the improbable uh, with God's help. It's actually about contentment. Contentment is a a state of satisfaction, that you have enough, that you don't need anymore. You've been well provided for. And some people are, are seemingly never content. Uh, John Rockefeller famously said, how much money does it take to make a man happy? Well, just one dollar more. What would it take for you to be content? Is it when you've uh, got your dream job, you'll be content? Or is it when you can unwind and relax after a long day's work? Or is it the simple things, just if I've had my morning coffee... That's it, I'm content. Well, for Paul, his, his contentment doesn't rely on any physical uh, possession or anything particular thing to happen. In any and every situation, it relies on Christ. If he's got plenty, like back when he was a Pharisee and he didn't have to worry about anything in terms of possessions, or when he was hungry and in prison, he is content. Why? Because he doesn't rely on the physical stuff. He relies on a person. He relies on Christ to give him strength. So whether he's got a lot or little, it doesn't change a thing. And it will never change that. Now, I don't want to delve too deep into application here, but I think it is right for us to be challenged by this section, especially as Paul urges the Philippians and us to follow in his example uh, in chapter 4, verse 9. Is your contentment in life found in your possessions or meeting some sort of criteria you think is necessary for the good life? Because I hope as you think about it for a moment, you'll realize that if you're basing it on a physical possession or a certain situation happening, it won't satisfy. It's the marketing trap. And unfortunately, every day we have ads hundreds and thousands of ads trying to convince you 
that you have all these separate different needs. But don't worry, our product fulfills that need. And I've fallen into it many times. I think, oh, if I just get that thing, that'll be, just hit the spot right now. And I get it. And then two weeks later, I forget about it. It hasn't actually brought lasting contentment at all. It's a trap. The secret to contentment can never be found in a product. It can only be found by relying on God who gives you strength. When you are well-fed with a high-paying job, it is God who gives you strength. When you are a hungry and poor uni student, it is God who gives you strength. Knowing that God is with you and will provide all your needs, well, that actually allows us to be content in any and every situation. I want to ask you, are you content right now? Are you satisfied? If not, I want to encourage you to keep reflecting on these words throughout this week. But for now, it's time to move on. Because this isn't the main point of this section. Paul is talking about how he's rejoicing greatly. He's saying it's not about the money, and you can know that it's not about the money because I'm content. I've got all I need. And so the Philippians should think, well, if it's not about the money, why are you rejoicing so greatly? It's because... Dear Philippians, you have shared in the spread of the gospel. Verse 14 to 19, it's about sharing in the spread of the gospel. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more may be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. Paul rejoices because they have shared in the spreading of the gospel. They've done this firstly by sharing in his troubles. It was good of you to share in my troubles, he says. And they've shared spiritually, and we see this in uh, chapter 1, verses 29 to 30, that it's been granted to them on behalf of Christ not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for him, since you are going through the same struggle you saw I had and now hear that I still have. They too are being persecuted as they live a life worthy of the gospel of Christ, just like Paul. They too are spreading the gospel in Philippi, just as Paul is wherever he goes. They've shared spiritually, And they've also shared in the matter of giving and receiving. They have given uh, Paul the things necessary for him to do his work, but they don't receive money in return. No, they receive treasures in heaven. Look at verse 17. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more may be credited to your account. It's not a a prosperity gospel that uh, if you go and support missionaries, God is going to give you a whole bunch of cash. No, but you 
receive treasures in heaven as we support the work of God throughout the world. All the while knowing, Paul assures them of the character of God, that God provides all your needs. Look at verse 19. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Just as God has provided for me, dear Philippians, he will provide for you. God provides us all our needs. We need not worry. Paul rejoices greatly that they have shared with him in the spread of the gospel. And then he sneaks in a, he slips in a sneaky little message right at the end. Verses 21 to 23. The sneaky message. Greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. Did you catch the sneaky message? He didn't name any names just in case the letter was caught. All God's people here send you greetings, especially those who belong to Caesar's household. The emperor's own household has been invaded by the gospel. He wants them to know that because they have shared with him in his ministry, he's been able to spread the gospel even to the emperor's own household. That Jesus died for their sins and that he rose again and now sits at the right hand of the Father. And that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There are people in Caesar's own household who believe that message now and who are your brothers and sisters in Christ. That's what he wants them to know. He wants them to know that they have shared in that. And that is why he rejoices. It's not about the money. It's they have shared in the spread of the gospel and it has resulted in eternal fruit. And this is the same relationship we have with our missionaries. Uh, we pray for them as a church each month, but we also support them financially. And when our missionaries come home on home assignment, I'm sure the Bens can attest to this, when they thank, thank us, it's not about the money. It's about the fact that we've been able to share with them in the spread of the gospel. We've shared in their troubles, and we've shared in the matter of giving and receiving. But unlike the Philippians who had very limited ability to show uh, their concern for their mission partner, Paul, we have ample opportunity. Now, obviously, we don't want to flood them with things that aren't helpful for their ministry. So I want to encourage you, especially as the Bens are heading off, ask them, what will be helpful for you for us to do as you go out? And do this for all our missionaries as they come. What will be most helpful for you from us? And then, once you've heard what will be helpful, do it. If it's praying, then pray for them. If it's sending the occasional letter at big events like birthdays, do it. We have a wonderful opportunity to share in the spread of the gospel with our missionaries and support them out in the field. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this part of Scripture. Lord, we thank you for the example of the Philippians sharing in the gospel. We thank you that they shared in Paul's troubles 
uh, both in sharing with his troubles and with uh, the matter of giving and receiving. Lord, help us to share in the spread of the gospel with our link missionaries, knowing that it produces eternal fruit. Father, we also pray for our contentment in all circumstances. Help us to know that you are the God who provides for all our needs, whether we have plenty or whether we have little. In Jesus' name, amen.